Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Napa Valley Radio, for the way we live now. Thanks for joining us on NapaBroadcasting.com. As we're coming to the end of our coverage of election 2006, at least the primary season, the good news is that we've been running late with some of our coverage, but John Tudor's been running late with his ballots, so we all seem to be in sync as we come to the end. Right now, we're going to continue our conversations about the 4th District Supervisorial Race, as I'm joined in studio right now by Chris Malin. Chris, thanks so much for coming in. Well, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Well, it's good to have you here. You've done this before, back in, I think it was 2000 that, that you ran previously. When you ran in 2000, I think you got... 9, 10, 11% of the vote, something like that. Why do you want to do it again? I am the type of person that in my adult life, I've served my community, I've served the public, and I feel a calling to be a public servant at this level. Um, I have a lot to say about uh, housing, traffic, wineries, events. I have a lot to say about the environment, water, um, and groundwater. And I think uh, at the Board of Supervisors, I'll be able to elevate the discussions uh, beyond what they've been in the past. I think it's time for someone like me to be there. I guess the question is, are you running as kind of a protest candidate because you want to make these views that you have? As you say, you have a lot to say about these things, and you certainly have for, for many years. Is it because you want to get these things out there, or you think you have a chance of winning? I, my friends and supporters have told me the time is right uh, and have encouraged me to run before I uh, considered it. I was approached to run. Um, people in my district, uh, friends, um, acquaintances followed my work over the years and they believe that a person like me has a chance to win. When you got into the race beyond Supervisor Pedroza, who was obviously running for, for election, Diane Shep, who represents views that are not dissimilar to yours in some areas, was already in the race. What did you think you could bring to the race that she couldn't? Expertise, experience, proven dedication to the public. I'm a known entity in the community. I've championed many efforts for the environment and people. And I wasn't hearing that from, from her. So I, I... What were you hearing? Uh, I was hearing from her that she wanted to be a supervisor and that she uh, was tired of the way enforcement was going in the county. And, uh, and that was about it. So I felt there was a lot more than that. Have you heard anything more? Have you heard anything different as this campaign has mm -hmm. progressed from her? Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, clearly, I am uh, quite different from her. Uh, initially, p people thought we were going to be the same. But as the campaign is rolled out, it's proven that I'm way different than Diane and Alfredo, who are more alike and I am aside from them and have different, stronger viewpoints. How do you think that your views are different than Diane Shep's or the 2050 people that she represents? Mm -hmm. uh, Diane Shep does not support the Water, Forest, and Oak Protection Initiative, and I am an author of it, and one of four authors, 
And I support it, obviously, and have been campaigning for it and believe that strong watershed protection is the way of the future and what we must do in changing our human behavior in our own backyards to protect our water sources, uh, our drinking water, our wildlife, and our quality of life. Well, talk a little bit about that initiative, and first of all, who is the author of it? Because in, in many cases, a lot of people are, uh, or a few people are taking credit and blaming other people for taking credit. <laughs> Who's really responsible for it here? It, there are four people that are dynamically involved in not only the origin of it, origin of it, but also the, um, the writing of it. Uh, and the uh, drafts and all of the iterations of the initiative and uh, guiding it through the public process with other groups. There were four people. And, and those who, four, who are those people? Right. The four people are um, Mike Hackett from Angwin, um, Jim Wilson from um, the other side of Napa. He lives over in the Capel Valley. Uh -huh. And myself, uh, Chris Malin, and uh, so Jim, uh, Jeff Ellsworth from St. Helena. Mm -hmm. Four of us. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that group and, mm -hmm. and the extent to which you are all in agreement on so many issues. Because certainly if we listen to some of those people, Mike Hackett and Jeff Ellsworth, I suppose most notably, that have spoken at various Board of Supervisors meetings. I think it's fair to say that they are opposed to everything that this valley represents, that they have opposed the wine industry, that they have taken extreme positions, they have said things about the wine industry and people in it that uh, are pretty pretty rude, pretty disfavorable. On, on many occasions have engaged in, in ad hominem attacks on people in the, in the wine business. Talk a little bit about your association with them and how you see that. You know, all of my contacts with them, in every meeting I've been with them, they are gentlemen. And I have to honestly and truthfully say I have never heard them be on the attack. Um, you know, I'm still a working person, so I don't go to all the meetings that they go to, so I really can't speak to that unless you give me an example. I really couldn't say from my own personal experience. I believe they're, they're the utmost standing citizens uh, of our community. We'll have to play for you at some time some of Mike Hackett's greatest hits. They're, uh, they're pretty amusing, and, and, and if any of them ever came to pass, I would say we'd have about a 90% unemployment rate in Napa County. Um, in any case, talk a little bit, you touch on, so I want to come back to the initiative in a few minutes, but talk a little bit about what you do in, in real life, a little bit about your, yeah, your background. Yeah, thank you for asking that. I appreciate that. Um, I am 100% a people person. I started my career out that way and I'm still that way now. I, uh, work for Napa County Health and Human Services uh, as a counselor for over 32 years, and I have worked both in child protective services, uh, drug and alcohol services, and mental health services, and right now I am uh, work in a, a program called PATH, and my caseload is 100% homeless folks who are both mentally ill and have substance abuse issues, and I'm sort of the one-stop shop first person that they meet 
and I uh, pump in the services and guide them through reunification uh, into the community and helping them get jobs and housing and treatment. Yeah. How did you get involved in some of the environmental issues that you've been involved in for mm-hmm. quite a number of years at the county? Uh, I have to say it started as a youngster. Um, I grew up in a family where we hiked, fished, um, skied, um, uh, went to the ocean every weekend. My father was a scuba diver, and um, we were around water my entire growing up years. And I just, I, I feel good around clean water, and I love the animals around aquatic ecosystems. I appreciate the little creatures of the world. And it started as a youngster. So as I grew older, and I was always at uh, Bodega Bay, Salt Point, the Eel River, the Wallala, um, a lot of Pacific North Coast rivers I was on all my life, um, and... As I became an adult, I, of course, you oftentimes carry on with those patterns and behaviors. And so when I moved to Napa, I just, I just uh, gravitated to the Napa River, and I was taking my young children there, and I noticed that uh, the water wasn't like the water that I was used to being around. And I just decided to volunteer for the RCD Resource Conservation uh-huh. District, and I became a volunteer, and for five years, I collected water samples for Dr. Luna Leopold, uh, one of the premier hydrologists of our time. He w- was a professor at UC Berkeley, and I was his little gopher girl, and I would get, you know, help him with his experiments and, um, and data collection. And so I got really intimate with the watershed, uh, but th- nothing was ever done with the data. And I always like, okay, what happened? What, how was the water? <laughs> you know, where are the fish? What have we got going here? And I uh, was met with no uh, information back. So what I, and I, they even trained me to be a benthic macroinvertebrate sampling uh, volunteer, but never used uh, never used it or started a program. And benthic macroinvertebrates are the insects in the river. They're the food for the fish, and they're very high quality uh, indicators of water quality. So I decided to start my own nonprofit, and from there I did grant writing, and uh, we hired scientists and experts and biologists, and we, for the first time ever, documented the... Um, water quality in the Napa River through benthic macroinvertebrates. We collected over 120 samples throughout the Napa River watershed, and we shared our data with the resource agencies. And right now, and that was, and that's been ongoing for 14 years, and our data is right now being put in at the state level in their database uh, to track long-term water quality trajectories in the Napa River watershed. Plus, we did snorkel surveys for two years for steelhead and salmon, and that was the first time ever it had been done throughout the whole basin. So we do rigorous biological monitoring, and that has taken me to also being a founder of Friends of the Napa River, eventually on the board, and I did uh, a lot of grant writing for them to run these projects, and uh, I also was the co-coordinator of the uh, flood management project, and 
and I was the manager of the WNX. So always been very strong, championing um, public uh, trust um, interests uh, to improve our environment for people. As you have been focused on that all of these years, and, and really, I mean, it's an impressive focus, but, it, but it's been a very specific focus all of these mm -hmm. years. Do you think that you have kept an, an equally good eye on what's been happening around you in Napa in terms of the way the wine industry has grown, in terms of the way this has become a world-class community, in terms of the marketing challenges, the, the economic challenges that face the community, and, and how it fits in to the region and to the larger mm -hmm. Bay Area? I mean, are you seeing it through the lens of your own experience vis-a-vis -vis the river and maybe not seeing the big picture? Well, of course, I live in the rural part of the county, so my neighbors are growing grapes, okay? Uh, they're growing wine grapes, uh, so there's that. I'm, uh, I live amongst the wine industry. Um, and, of course, I'm also a founding member of Vision 2050, and, uh, you know, I attend... I haven't been attending during my campaign, but I was very involved in the uh, the winery issues and the urban neighborhood issues around events and how that's impacting the community. And, uh, you know, with the kind of work that I've been doing, I have had interviews with the L.A. Times, the New York uh, Times, uh, Forbes, uh, Nature um, magazines, and uh, you know, of course, they're always comparing this kind of work to what uh, to the premier wine industry of Napa County. Um, I also work very closely with the wine industry in restoration, and a lot of people don't know that. I've had a project with uh, major wine uh, grape growers. Um, who have their own um, partners on Suskel Creek, and we've been doing restoration with the, of the creek while at the same time they've been developing vineyards and putting in a wine ring. So um, I've provided, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I, I consult. Uh, people in the industry come to me and ask me how to get their EIRs through, how to do their vineyard projects, and, and, and they ask for recommendations. Right, and isn't that really kind of prima facie evidence of the fact that the wine industry has been as environmentally sensitive as it has, and that Napa County is so heavily mm -hmm. regulated that somebody trying to do a project or do a vineyard would in fact think about coming to you for advice and consulting simply because it has been the policy of this county for so long, both in terms of county policy and in terms of how individuals have acted in the county to be so environmentally aware and environmentally sensitive, even given that we, we all agree, and, and, and actually I'm asking you if you still agree, that agriculture is still the highest and best use of land in the county. I love that question, Jeff. I love it because here's the difference, okay? The uh, wine industry has risen to unbelievable uh, heights of popularity and fame and desire to be here and to make a business here, and that came at great, great amount of work at all levels and that is deeply respected by myself and many other people um, the prime agricultural land where the ag preserve exists is on the valley floor 
And that was built out many, many years ago, probably around the 70s. The bottomlands, if you will, the valley, the alluvial areas of our county have been put in vines long ago. So since, I think you can safely say, since the mid to late 80s, the, and I would even go back as far as the 70s, uh, the expansion of the wine industry has been in sensitive, uh, steep uh, hillside areas of our watershed. And while I've been... Which concerned, is where we've seen the wine industry flourish in, in Italy and France and a number they of other places. They have really devastated ecosystems. Uh, a lot of their rivers don't even have fish anymore, uh, let alone salmon. And we, uh, you know, salmon are an iconic animal on the planet. They are a heritage fish. They are amazing, and they are their numbers are dwindling. And if you look at the Napa River, uh, we had coho up until the 70s. We no longer have coho. I, I think it's actually the 50s, and it's uh, Chinook in the 70s. And now steelhead are more resilient. They're stronger, so they're still here. But the point being, uh, with more chemicals going into the water, more diversions, water diversions, more groundwater pumping, our streams are drying up and our... The river is cleaner than it's been in a long time. Well, people say that, but you know what? Uh, people compare that to when we were dumping sewer directly into the river. And so we had a massive uh, bacteria and E. coli and all that in the water column. But when the water boards cranked down on that, uh, now they have to have permits to release and they have to filter and clean the water before they distribute it into, into the river. So that part has gotten better. But while at the same time, and we would call that a point source pollution, but at the same time... Um, the non-point source pollution, which comes from ag, the sheet flow that comes off of a vineyard, that has been not been regulated yet. And it's been a, over 30 years in the making of regulation, and regulation is supposed to come out uh, actually in June. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to get uh, what they call wastewater discharge requirements, um, but it, it was supposed to have been regulated a long time ago. It hasn't. So we have a long ways to go. Well, on I, mean, the other, I mean, you were just, we, we were talking, I mean, I was, was half serious when I was talking about the situation in Italy, the situation yeah. in France. But the truth of the matter is, even if we look at vineyards in California and looking at vineyards certainly around the country, Napa County has some of the strongest environmental regulations of, of almost any other place that, that's growing grapes to the extent that we are. It, that is that is a good point, and here here is more to that. Um, in 1990, uh, we developed the con what we call the conservation regulations, but really what that should be called is the erosion control plans, because what the conservation regulations do is they try to reduce the amount of erosion on the project site. But it doesn't speak of, it doesn't go to the problems of loss of wildlife habitat, clear cutting for vineyards, and off stream erosion. So there are still a lot of environmental problems that uh, Napa County isn't the only one. This is all of the, this, this applies to all of the wine industry up and down the coast, everywhere, everywhere that it occurs, is that anytime you put in a vineyard, in wildlands, you are eliminating habitat. 
And at a certain point... But, but again, coming back to, uh, I mean, and I'm asking you specifically, mm -hmm. do you agree with what has been county policy? It has been the holy grail in many sense that agriculture is the highest and best use of the land. I disagree, and I make this distinction. It's the highest and best use of the land in prime agricultural soils, but not in unique or wild lands, because the best use of that land is public interest and health, safety, and welfare, because that's where our water originates. And so if we destroy our watersheds at the top of the watersheds, then all that pollution goes into our municipal water supply, and then we're drinking it. But our municipal water supply comes from many different sources. It's not the same in St. Helena as it is in Napa, as it is in Vallejo, as it is in parts of the unincorporated areas of the county. The water source for people is, is very different depending on where they live. And in many cases, it, it's a compendium of sources. So there isn't really. a single source. It's not that complicated. Uh, uh, Calistoga gets their water from, from Kimball and the North Bay Aqueduct. Mm -hmm. St. Helena gets their water from Bell Reservoir. And, uh, you know, the North Bay Aqueduct goes right up the center of Napa County. So... Uh, the city of Napa, one-third of their water supply comes from the North Bay Aqueduct. Right. The other third comes from Hennessy and then Millican. So at any one point, they could be using one of those sources or a combination of those sources. And and we don't get our, our public water from groundwater, but the vineyards pump solely groundwater. Solely. Right. So you're talking our aquifers are in depletion all over the county, as has been stated by the State Department of Water Resources. They mapped There's, it. There, there is controversy about that. I mean, that is not, I mean, there, there's different points of view about the degree to which it is or isn't. And if it isn't, how close is it? If it is, how much? I mean, these are not black and white issues. Uh, the state has said... State Water Resources, the State Department of Water Resources mapped our aquifers in Napa, and all of them are in decline. Yes, there is in question how far in decline and how far up they come and then go back down, uh, but there is no debate. And we've been in a drought condition, which is a big part of it as well, which may be easing, may not. I mean, we have to see how the next year or so plays out. Right. But when you're talking about an industry that pumps solely from groundwater, and um, I take that back. They don't pump solely from groundwater. I've heard statistics, 40 to 60 percent of the water that is um, being put on vines comes from groundwater. There's appropriative right, and there's riparian right, and there's water permits. So it's either surface water or groundwater. And yeah. One of the things that, you know, it, it's always hard to see total unanimity on any particular issue and to see all different groups within the Valley agree on things. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I have found interesting, I mean, even within the, the wine industry, even within the agricultural industry, you know, there have been many issues, and, and you and I have talked about them over the years, where, you know, the Farm Bureau is on one side, other industry groups are on the other. This has been an ongoing battle. Mm -hmm. One of the unique things that we're seeing right now is that every single group within the wine industry, every single group, and, and virtually everybody that is in the business is opposed to this initiative that we were talking about. 
You know, I heard there is universal disapproval of it. Well, but the, 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 I can understand why they would take that position, but they're not the only people who live in Napa County. There are the rural residents. There are the city dwellers. There are people who don't work in the wine industry that are concerned about our water supply and our water quality. We had residents yeah, let, in... Let, let me just interrupt you for a second, mm -hmm. because it, admittedly, there are certainly, certainly people that don't work in the wine industry, but it is the wine industry that is the economic engine of all of those other businesses that people work in. I think, you know, I, I haven't checked this out myself, but my campaign team has looked into the economic factors of the Valley, and it isn't... There, there are a lot of, you know who's the biggest employer in Napa County? Well, the government is the biggest. Though. Napa this County Health and Human, Human Services, Services. Well, of which I work for. Okay, so, you know, there are private other. Employer. I mean, there, there's Queen of the Valley Hospital, there's Napa State Hospital, yeah. there's, there's Health and Human Services, I think which the is point part of the county, but not on the public dollar. Well, I think where you're trying to go with that line of questioning is you th you may be thinking that if we put more regulation on the wine industry that we're putting we were, a nail in the coffin of the economic drive not of the at county. all we're already the most heavily regulated industry in the county certainly and the most heavily regulated wine industry in the state of California okay but I I think you would agree that we need regulations to keep pollution from going into our water supply and that's what the conservation I, I, I wouldn't agree with that I mean I think that the laws that we have on the books now are, are more than sufficient and that would be the conservation regulations which help protect our water supply but they do nothing nothing for eliminating the trees in our county and we have hundreds of millions of trees that have been cut in Napa County since the wine industry began and I think there is a moral comeuppance at some point where we have to say we need to have intact watersheds be and we need our trees to sequester carbon and to provide wildlife habitat and to cleanse the water as it goes into the soil and seeps and flows to the reservoirs because we are in for it with drought with climate change with sea rise we have to go to our natural ecosystems to help repair the planet what are the other issues that you think are important in Napa County right now beyond the trees beyond the fish okay so I I do well I think that traffic is uh, intricately uh, intertwined with the expansion of the wine industry. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I appreciate the wine industry and what they've done for us and, and the beauty of, you know, the valley floor being in vines versus houses. I appreciate that. But I also think that we need to, to understand uh, the trajectory of where we're going. So I would say that if we continue to have more wineries and more vines, we're going to have more traffic and more traffic. And when I moved here with my family in 1979, I could pull out onto Hardman Lane and go smoothly into Silverado Trail. That is no longer. I mean, I take my children for tutoring up in St. Helena, or my grandchildren for tutoring up in St. Helena on Fridays, and I kid you not, I sit in traffic, just sit there for 
20 minutes at a time not moving at certain peak times during the season. Uh, it's not like that all year long. But I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm going, what the heck has happened here? And I hear other people. Uh, is and it's, is it any different, in your view, is it any different than, than other places in the Bay Area? I mean, the traffic is... is I chose there are to more live people. in Napa because I wanted a rural lifestyle. But there are people <laughs> that say they chose to live in San Francisco because it was less crowded than New York. Now yeah. the traffic is worse. Places change. People move there. People like it there. You're not the only one that yeah. chose to live in Napa. I agree. So there's more traffic. Yeah, but there's more and more traffic, and I don't see it politically happening that we're going to widen Silverado Trail. Or highway, t- it's just not going to happen. So we're going to have more cars sitting still on the roads, emitting uh, fossil fuels, uh, greenhouse gases into the air, and we're going to have traffic jams and frustration. We'll have more electric cars. Well, I hope Tesla so. When I become supervisor, we were going to have a dynamic. You give us all electric cars. I I have a dynamic a dynamic mass transportation plan. Talk a little bit about that. Okay. What what kind of mass transportation do you think, and, and we're getting short of time, but what kind of mass transportation do you think would work in Napa County? Well, I would like to see uh, us form a collaborative uh, commission or coalition, whatever you want to call it, that focuses on uh, mass transportation in Napa that people will love to get out of their cars and into this unique mass transportation transportation program and it will start from the Bay Area and it'll be an experience it'll be a fun experience because you'll get to pick different routes and schedules for coming up into the valley you'll get to pick electric cars different kinds of bicycles Uh, you'll improve the bike uh, paths and make more of those so that you can get places faster and more safely uh, you can get out of mass transportation in a in transportation hubs, and you can get to electric cars, alternative cars. It, they're kind of doing it in San Francisco. You can get into these fun little transports, then you know, uh, they're small, low profile, and um, and they're energy efficient, if not all electric. Well, they're, 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 they may be doing it in San Francisco. It hasn't helped very much. San Francisco is now rapidly approaching place. Washington, D.C. and Los Angeles as having among the worst traffic in the country. Yeah, yeah. So you have to get ahead of the curve. That's true. Your mass transportation has to fit the need. It has to, and these are for the experts to figure out, but it can be done. There are people out there that develop these mass transportation programs where people get out of their car and they utilize a different form of commuting. And um, I have a lot of ideas about that. And I think people will not only come here just for the wine and the glitz and the glory of being in wine industry, but they're going to they're gonna get to figure out a transportation plan. They're going to get it up on their phone, and they're going to go, we're going to start here, then we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and it's all going to be mapped out, and they're not going to be putting any pollution into the air, and they're going to less cars on the road. And this will happen magically? or No, it takes a lot of planning, of course. Uh, yeah (laughs) no i mean some of it will be uh smaller more nimble bus schedules 
Uh, I think the big buses are a mistake. I think we need to be in small, nimble uh, buses that provide uh, internet access, comfortable seating, have um, more of these and more scheduling. Have you seen what uh, they're doing up in Calistoga right now? No, I can't. With their transportation I plan, I have not seen that. I'm sorry. Yeah. You should uh, touch base with with Chris Canning, the mayor of Calistoga, okay. because he's doing some really interesting and innovative stuff okay, in terms of, of worker transportation up there, in anticipation of more hotels and more visitors coming to Calistoga. Okay. Yeah, so you do have to be ahead of the curve on this because if you wait too long, uh, it's it gets out of your hands and you can't you can't. Uh, it's much harder to deal with. So, yeah, I think everything is on the table when it comes to transportation, including the wine train carrying passengers, uh, including uh, some other kind of mass transportation. How is running for supervisor this time around different than when you did it back in 2000? More excitement, more people helping me, um, lots of involvement from places I didn't expect, um, and just the... The energy in the campaign is very positive, and it's fun. Chris Balin, I thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Jeff. All right. All right. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.